0: Hello everybody, welcome back to the Association NBA Podcast. We are continuing our preseason preview of every darn division in the National Basketball Association and we're doing it in style. I don't really know if it's in style, we're just doing it. But my name is Sam Ruth here. This division is cool. It, it, I, Yeah, I don't know. We're actually finding an excuse to to use divisions at all, which I'm not sure anybody else has done for quite some time. But Tommy Wood, today we're talking about the Northwest Division. You excited?
1: Yeah, I am, because uh, this this is the one division, and I, I can't remember the last time I, I thought about this. Well, I can't remember the last time I thought about anything related to any division in the NBA. But when you look at the Northwest, west all these teams can make the playoffs i mean it's i would say it's unlikely but at the end of the season five of the eight playoff teams in the west could be five teams in the northwest
0: it has to be the best division top to bottom in the nba um absolutely coming off a season when these teams all had remarkably close records by the end of it um they were among the top nine teams in the Western Conference, and it came down to a essentially playing game on the final game day of the regular season for uh, Minnesota to squeak in over Denver. So um, all these teams have stayed about the same, or you know maybe even gotten a little better in some cases, which we'll get into in a moment. So you can expect them to be strong again. Before we go team by team like we did last week, though. Uh, Manu Ginobili uh-huh. retired, and he's one of your favorite players, I know. Um, I've enjoyed watching him for a while as well. He's a big fan of the Spurs dynasty uh, that came about during our time against the Heat. So, what do you have to say? This is this is uh, not a huge surprise, but it seems like he might come back. But I guess we're, we're saying goodbye to old Manu after all.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's been flirting with retirement for the past few seasons, but... It's a bummer, man. I mean, he's absolutely one of my all-time favorite players, and uh, even like at, at an advanced age, you know, playing at the age of forty last year, he still had that same like that flair and skill, and uh, you know, even like a certain degree of quickness that he retained for a long time. And man, he just there's never been another guy who plays like him with that. Um, you know, just with how reckless he was, uh, his combination of just skill and athleticism is brilliant passing and his finishing. Uh, and he had such big balls, man. I mean, even though he rarely started for the Spurs, he was the guy they would give the ball to in uh, clutch situations. I mean, he was their go-to scorer in crunch time, which I think says a lot about him.
0: For sure. Um, such a rare thing to find somebody that good for that long who was always willing to come off the bench and do whatever his team needed of him. Uh, I have been thinking a lot of the last couple days about that last playoff series against Houston. Uh, I guess two seasons ago, the season Kawhi ended up hurting his ankle in the 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 Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Um, when he blocked Harden at the end of that game. uh, Yeah. It was just amazing, and it I it was just classic Manu, like just doing what it took to win the game, regardless of the fact that. He was going up against an MVP candidate who, you know, he's 10 years older than, who. this guy's at his peak, Manu's just trying to hang around, like it doesn't matter, um, and you know, he's so unique and played the game in such a wild but controlled craze, and he did it all under Greg Popovich, who, uh, it's kind of surprising that he was able to thrive in that environment, but I think that they both just kind of saw each other for who they were, so uh, we wish you the best, Manu, you're only 41, you got a lot of life left, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think Pop and Manu were a bit like uh, Steve Kerr and Draymond in a way where the way Draymond Green plays, the way Manu played was not, it was, was kind of not antithetical, but it, it wasn't the way that Popovich wanted to play. Just kind of, you know, the same way Kerr and Draymond clash, but they did a great job of kind of meeting in the middle and they gave, you know, Manu some, they, they would let him run some ISOs that, you know, other Spurs players typically wouldn't get. And they would. Let him do some crazy stuff, and then in return, he sacrificed and you know came off the bench for his entire career and took a lot less money to stay in one place. Uh, it's pretty remarkable, man. Like we're just never going to see a guy like with that combination of playing style and personality.
0: For sure, um, and we could spend a whole whole podcast if we really wanted to dive in, not just to uh, the Spurs run. But even the Argentinian national team and, and and that kind of run he had with all those guys that he grew up with. But um, yeah, it's kind of a you know just like everything else about his career, unique that he in August is like yeah now I think I'm gonna hang it up. Like spend yeah, but I mean <laughs> makes sense to spend the whole offseason seeing if you can get your body right and how it feels and like like it, it it gets said a lot. What ends up being the the decision for these guys isn't. Uh, that they don't want to play basketball anymore. It's all the work that they need to do to stay in shape that just gets more and more every year. Steve Nash has talked about it before, and some guys like Dirk are still willing to put in all that work, but it, it, it's it's a matter of a, a real grind. And um, yeah. the Spurs are in a everyone, big transitional period as well.
1: Yeah, everyone you played with is gone, too. I mean, Tony's gone, Dan, Danny Green is gone, Kawhi's gone, Tim is gone. Uh, like I, I think Patty Mills is like the only player left. From-
0: Boris Diaw is long gone.
1: Yeah, bring, bring back Boris.
0: Aaron Baines, <laughs> all of Australia, has migrated to the Northeast.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're all gone.
0: Yeah, but uh, we we do still have plenty of, of basketball to discuss. Um, so we will dive further into the Western Conference, but back, as we mentioned earlier, into the the Northwestern Division. Yeah. Um, I did. We did. We rank them before or after last week? Did we go off the top ranking how we thought they would yeah, be at the end of the with year? That. Okay. Do you want to go first again, or do you want me to do it this time?
1: You or, go first. Or did
0: you go first last? Uh, I'll go first. Uh,
1: yeah, you you go.
0: I'll just go. This was d- oh, tough. I could see it going with any team in any place. Uh, I kind of surprised myself with this, but I have OKC up top. Uh, okay. So I go. Uh, oklahoma city denver utah portland and minnesota wow yeah wow. fuck tibbs that,
1: that, okay that's really funny because i'm minnesota in last place too yeah because they're trained i, 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 I train really we would disagree about that but <laughs> that's uh that's funny though
0: all right what's yours though what's the rest
1: all right so i've got utah first then okc then denver uh portland and minnesota
0: Okay. Yeah. So I mean, we're not that. F- we have uh, the top three. We kind of jumbled around. I mean, I could easily yeah. see it going your way. It's going to be really close between those three teams, presumably, th- th- presuming that health stays the way it is. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. I think those are kind of the, clearly the top three, even yeah. though they're... I mean, I guess Minnesota could get up there, any of the or, or Portland could. I got that's probably a stupid statement because, you know. I should say they're at the top three and they could end up finishing, you know, any of them could finish last. So,
0: I mean, Minnesota could put it together. It just doesn't seem like they will. Um, yeah. I Do guess, you want to talk about them? Let's start we, there. We
1: both have blast And like, yeah. they, I mean, they made the playoffs last year for the first time in 14 years. Yeah. And they have um, a ton of talent and it seemed like they underperformed their talent level. But like, more than anything, for me, I'd never seen such. team that good that looked so like joyless and that looked like they like none of those people wanted to play with each other and I just don't I can see them seriously imploding this year I can also see them winning 55 games but like I really think it's more likely than not that things go very badly for Minnesota and it seems like you do too
0: yeah I mean listening and reading a lot of folks in NBA circles, it gets kind of thrown in at the end of a lot of articles or at the end of conversations. Like, yeah, by the way, it seems the guys in Minnesota don't really like each other. And it, I don't know. Jimmy Butler is a very serious man. Um, he works very hard at his craft. That's how he got where he is today. And Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins don't really seem to rub him the right way. Neither of them. Seem to really care about playing defense, uh, which is surprising with Carl because he just seemed like a guy with a really strong work ethic and who wanted to, you know, how do these people not realize how important defense is to the game of basketball? That's what, that's where I always get lost on this. Like you get paid all this money. You want to be the best you could possibly be at this game. Play defense. I, it frustrates me too, Jimmy. Jimmy's very good. It was very exciting to see him go to Minnesota and now he's stuck with these kids who all they want to do is put the ball in the freaking basket. And I, I don't know. There's some stunted development here. Carl's supposed to be making some kind of Anthony Davis leap and it hasn't happened yet. And I I don't know. I, uh, It's a weird fit. Taj Gibson's still a weird fit for them. Uh, Derek Rose is still on this team for some reason. Oh, Stealing Tyus Jones' minutes. Jeff Teague's fine, I guess, but like it's just such a weird group of of humans all under a really weird head coach. So I could see a lot going wrong here. What, what about you?
1: Same. Yeah. I think, you know, kind of despite everything last year, they were really, really good when Jimmy Butler played, which makes sense. Cause Jimmy Butler's really freaking good. Uh, but the, the, the thing is this year, I think the chances of them, of Jimmy Butler playing for them very little are, are high because I think he's either going to get hurt um, because he played, I'm going to pull it up last year. He, he only played in,
0: he was gone for a big chunk of the season.
1: Yeah. He was, he was injured for, yeah, he played 59 games last year. So that's pretty substantial. And he, he has had these kind of, you know, semi-serious injuries for a few seasons. Now he played is 76 the year before, then 67, 65, 67. I mean, he's never really been an 82 game guy. So you have to anticipate that he's gonna miss quite a bit of time. And I think it's also pretty likely he gets traded because I think the team is really gonna suck and he's gonna tell Tibbs that he won't resign. And you know, if you wanna get something for him, then then do it. I I think, honestly, there's a better than fifty percent chance that Tibbs and Butler are both gone before the end of the season.
0: Wow. I, I feel like it could be a one or the other thing. Um, the thing is, what's his contract situation like? What, what would you be able to get back for Jimmy Butler when, when it's a guy who's that caliber, who perhaps gets paid so much money? That's when it gets thrown into question, like, what kind of teams are going to be able to match it? What kind of teams are going to give you the assets you want to surround? Because, I mean, at this point, you, you, you've committed to Wiggins uh, for better or worse. So if you're willing to hitch your wagon to that horse... And let go of Jimmy. What are you trying to get back? What's gonna supplement Wiggins? But I mean, because in a nut, in on paper, Jimmy Butler can kind of cover up for a lot of things that Wiggins doesn't do well, mainly defense. But Wiggins also is not that efficient, and that hurts Jimmy's offense. And so, I don't know. What else would could you do to make to help Wiggins be better?
1: That's a really tough question because for Wiggins, a lot of it seems to be mental. I mean. He has all the talent. I just don't know if he has the, you know, that mentality that it seems Jimmy Butler wants him to have. Um, he's always, you know, you, you, I've always heard him described as kind of like a shy, quiet person. And that's fine. That's totally cool. Um, it just seems that that kind of carries over the court sometimes. Yeah. Uh, especially on defense. And then offensively, um, his shot IQ is pretty bad, and it seems his, it seems like he lost some confidence last year too. Uh, especially when you look at his free throw shooting, which took a pretty catastrophic dip. Uh, it's it's hard, man. I mean, I, I think somewhere in there with Wiggins, they're still the player who they thought they were getting number one overall, but the chances of him reaching that, I think, are kind of you know smaller and smaller every year. And now with him making this much money. I just, don't, I just don't see how that goes. I mean, because he's pissed too. He doesn't like being the third option, you know, reportedly. So uh, he, I think he's still going to be the third option or the fourth option when this next season starts. So how, how is that dynamic going to play out? You know, if Jimmy Butler is bitching at Wiggins for not playing defense and Wiggins is, you know, bitching at Tibbs and everyone else for, you know, not getting him enough shots, like that's, it's going to boil over at some point.
0: Yeah, it probably is. Uh, ugh, what a bummer, dude. I've been telling my older brother that the Timberwolves are gonna be good for like since since they got Wiggins. I've been like, cause he lives in Minneapolis, and I'm like, yo, get, dude, get your season tickets, get you know, get popcorn ready. They got Wiggins, they they got Towns, and then Jimmy came, and I was like, it's happening. Now I don't know, man. Derrick Rose, freaking. So yeah. bummed. I went to I went to see the Celtics play the Timberwolves in Minneapolis, and Derrick Rose has to be in the freaking state. Get out of here, Derrick Rose. Go play in China or something. What a waste of space.
1: Yeah, he's he's so bad. He's gonna take minutes away from Tyus Jones. Um, you know they they have a pretty bad wing situation too. I mean, they don't really have any wings on their bench. Um, I mean, except for like Anthony Tolliver, but he's kind of a four. And they. Those two guys they drafted a and Bates Diop, but now you're telling me they're gonna be counting on rookies to contribute on their bench. I, I, I that's not gonna happen. And who who knows if they'll even get to court with Thibodeau?
0: With I, I don't know. He doesn't trust young players. It's uh who's your who's your yeah. crunch time five? Who's your crunch time five for the Minnesota Timberwolves? That's it's fairly obvious, I guess.
1: Uh Derek Rose. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shut up. Shut your mouth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, it's gotta be Tig uh, T Wiggins, Butler. Um, I would go with Tolliver and Towns, uh, Tolliver instead of Gibson, just for the shooting. Um, Tolliver's actually, Tolliver's, uh, shot three ball really well, uh, the last couple of years. Um, he's kind of, he's made himself into a pretty good stretch four, and, uh, you know, it's, it, They had such a hard time scoring in the playoffs last year against Houston. And, I mean, they they had, I think, the number four offense um, in the regular season last year, which which is just shocking when you consider their shot profile and uh, their personnel. Um, uh, Yeah, yeah, fourth best offense in the league last year. But it it just cratered in the playoffs. I think a large part of that was uh, just the cramped spacing when Taj Gibson is on the floor. Um, you know, we don't really have any really great shooters out there. So I think Tolliver will help that make everyone else's lives easier. Um, and he can defend well enough that I think he can, you know,
0: hold his own and crunch
1: time. What do you
0: have? Um, I, I have mostly the same lineup. I just have Taj Gibson over Tolliver, mostly because I just know that's what Tibs going to do. But also <laughs> yeah you're right uh, but also you're so, you're so um, right. <laughs> I think he does provide uh he's an anchor you know and really on both sides of the ball even if he he's not he's kind of antiquated in terms of what he provides offensively um he, he can stretch out and and hit like mid-range twos uh he doesn't go all the way to the three-point line but I think he does enough for them. That the fact that Carl can hit threes means that their spacing's not completely screwed when Taj is out there. You're right. There's more spacing with Tolliver, but I do, I do think he gives them more—not just on a on a man-to-man basis of, of an advantage on defense, but just he's a really good team defense player. Um, another thing to keep an eye on is they lost Nemanja Bele, who yeah, is really I, good. I think that might hurt a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, they lost Jamal Crawford, or whatever, but like B it's was good. Uh, so that, yeah, and what I guess you're replacing him with rookie, the rookie with kid, Tal- the Koji kid, yeah. or I don't know, with Tolliver. Okay, with Tolliver.
1: Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I don't know much about these rookies, but they're rookies. You can't expect them to be good, even if they do play, which they probably won't. Um, I don't know. I mean, Towns, like looking at that, Towns took three and a half threes per game last year. I think he's got to get more of those up Uh, shot at 42% last year. And I think maybe if he's not 42%, I think he's a, you know, 39 to 42% level shooter for the rest of his career. He's that good. Um, I really do believe that. So that would, that'll help too. Um, Towns in general just has to, has to, you know, be more aggressive. He had a 22.9% usage rate last year. Um, you know, he should really be up at like 30 when you consider just how efficient he is. And he's proven, uh, you know, his rookie, his rookie year and his second year that he maintains his efficiency at high usage. So I, you know, I mean, Butler's got to get his, but I mean, that's just the problem with this team that we talked about. I mean, there's so many that they had five players last year, five players, 20% usage or higher. Crawford and the starting five and uh, the starting five minus Gibson. So Wiggins, T, Butler and Downs like that's, that's ridiculous. And Crawford's gone, but still everyone else towns is sharing the court with, except for Gibson is going to be, you know, handling the ball a lot and, you know, getting their own shot. And that's just, that just doesn't work. When you have this amazing offensive talent, it's just, it's incredibly frustrating thinking, thinking about this team. Yeah, just... it,
0: it is a bummer because if that is the case that he can still be high volume and score to get a, a, a effective clip, um, then that's such a waste. And it's just you're not going to be reaching a, a ceiling with the guys around him who aren't going to play the style of basketball that could bring out the best in him. So it's a, it's a, it's a bummer for him developmentally because you're taking him away from something that Clearly, playing to his strengths would be letting him shoot the ball more. But all right, we we gotta keep rolling because this is getting depressing, and there's more exciting things <laughs> to talk about. Um, I guess uh we'll go to the next next to the team we both had fourth, and then we can end with some fun with some teams that are actually well constructed. So yeah, uh, we don't have much
1: to say about Portland. They're the yeah. least interesting team. In the division,
0: to me, you're right. They they really are. <laughs> I came to the same conclusion when I was looking over the roster <laughs> and just like refreshing myself. Um, the Portland Trailblazers, coming off of a season in which they were 49 and 33, uh, they still feature the one of the best backcourts in the NBA, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Although we have no idea if they like each other, we have no idea if they're either, but they're still going to be in Portland. This is John Wall, Brad Beal, West. Except these guys are better than both of those guys, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I would I would say so. Especially Lillard
1: versus Wall isn't even close at this yeah. point.
0: Beal Beal did get have a pretty good season. Anyway, after that, it's really the island of misfit toys. I mean, oh, Yus- Yusuf Nurkic rough. has moments, but then they're really banking on Zach Collins. Uh, Evan Turner's still getting paid. Uh, it Al Farouk Aminu. It is required for to make significant contributions, as is Myers Leonard. Yep. Um, Seth Curry is is probably their third guard.
1: Yeah, and uh, that's okay. I mean, he's not that bad. He'll stay healthy. I mean, that's not horrible. Uh, see, like th- this is just what's weird when you talk about Portland is, you know, I was just thinking that they're really going to be hurt by losing, you know, Shabazz Napier and Pat Connaughton. And then I'm like, I, I think back to how ludicrous it was that they counted on those guys in the first place. And it's but just it, funny, they, you know, they finished third in the West last year. They, they, yeah. they won this division, but yeah. they may be the worst team in it. And they're certainly just the least, I think they're the lowest ceiling team in it uh, by, by any measure. Um, just because however good Lillard and McCollum are, there's just, it, everyone else is just so bad. I mean, is Nurkic the third best player? Like, probably. But he's, you know, he's still so limited, um, especially when, you know, what we saw happen to him on defense in the playoffs. And I, I yeah, I I think fourth is where this, I really don't have any, like, variability for Portland. I think, you know, fourth or fifth is where they're going to be. And, you know, maybe Lillard and McCollum will have a more ridiculous seasons to, Boost them up, but I don't know how. I don't know how high they they can carry this team when you've got just, just nothing behind them.
0: Nothing, man. I uh, I mean, coming into last year, it was without a doubt it was Lillard, McCollum, and then Nurkic because they traded him or they traded for him, and then he came on strong at the end of that season. But then he got hurt or something. And everybody was yeah. like, oh, Nurkic and these two guards. But he's just inconsistent. Um, so it is a question now. Is he their third best player? It might already be Zach Collins. It might be some other <laughs> random guy here. I don't even know. Uh, I still have a soft spot for Evan Turner because he was pretty good on the Celtics. He he was worth what we paid him. We. They. Uh, we. Fuck it. Um, but this roster is just... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know I said that about Minnesota, but but and and the reason that there's such weirdness and a lot of churn going on in this roster, uh, not just on the bottom, but like in the middle, is because it's very top heavy. Not just with Lillard and McCollum, but then Evan Turner makes 17.8 million, Nurgic oh. makes 12, Mo Harkless makes almost 11, Myers Leonard makes 10 and a half. Like your top six guys all make double digits in the millions. But the only guys who really are worth that is Lillard and McCollum. After that, all these other guys are like mid level exception players, but they're not getting paid like it. Mo Harkless, you need a lot yeah. out of Mo Harkless to justify $10.8 million. Are you going to get that?
1: No. Uh, and I just, you know, you do have to question just kind of, uh, you know, the front office's record for over the past few years is pretty spotty. I mean, when you look at the cash they handed out so readily to Evan Turner and to, uh, Myers Leonard, uh, need, need I say, who they also drafted in the lottery, uh, Myers Leonard making 9.9 mil this year. Uh, it's just, it, it's ridiculous. And the, the draft record too, I mean, after other than Lillard and McCollum, which are two big hits, I mean, very, they've gotten very little production from, their first-round draft picks, uh, or really anyone they've drafted. You look at uh, Jake Lehman, Caleb Swanigan, uh, we'll see with Zach Collins. Um, I kind of like him, but, uh, you know, they they haven't gotten much out of the draft to get anyone out around Lillard and McCollum either. So it's just they have really – I think they made the mistake – they really fell in love with a team that they shouldn't have um, when they got hot at the end of the uh, twenty. 15, 16 season. Wasn't it? Yeah. And they, uh, you know, it was after, after Aldridge left, they got hot at the end of the season. They made the playoffs and then, uh, Blake Griffin, and Chris Paul both got hurt in the first round and they beat the Clippers yep. and got, uh, gentlemen swept by golden state. And they fell in love with that team that vastly overperformed. And now they're just stuck with it.
0: Uh, and it's not going to end anytime soon. So, you know, I guess they keep making the most of it. If, if, if this group of guys can get them back to the mid to upper 40 wins, I mean, you got to try to do whatever you can to keep Lillard and McCollum happy, or at least one of them, and then move the other guy for the right package to move forward. Uh, but it, not a lot of excitement here. Just Just two very exciting players and then a bunch of other guys who happen to be sharing the court with them this season. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, who's your crunch time five? Uh,
1: I've got Lillard, McCollum, Harkless, uh, Aminu, and then uh, Nurkic or Collins, just depending on the match the matchup. I think in the regular season you can probably get away with playing Yusuf Nurkic in crunch time against you know most NBA centers, but in the playoffs it's gonna have to be Collins because we saw. Last
0: year, that Nurkic couldn't cut it. Yeah, no, he's got a big target on his back. I'm I, i I'm with you with Lillard, McCollum, and Harkless, but after that, it might be uh, it might be Collins and Nurkic, I guess. That's just big, you know? One of those guys having a guard up yeah. forward. I don't know, so then maybe it's Aminu, because at least you know he's a little more proficient on that end of things. So, maybe Aminu and Collins and Nurkic sits on the bench. Because they really do. Like, there's all kinds of shit about how much they like this Collins guy. So, I think he is, you know, gets opportunities and big moments for them this season.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Mo Harkless missed some time last year. And he had kind of a down season around that. So, uh, maybe he falls out and Seth Curry comes in. Um, If Terry Stotts isn't afraid of playing three guards. Or my guy uh, Evan Turner. Maybe... Maybe Swanigan or Wade Baldwin, someone like that. Um,
0: Swanigan's I a know. little big. They, like they might have to go to some dark places out of necessity. <laughs> dark places. I I look forward to Wade Baldwin getting some minutes this year. I think there's still <laughs> some some. Uh, wow, I just said that sentence. I think there's still some, <laughs> there's still some development there, and I'm happy to see Nick Stauski is still on an NBA roster because I oh, I um, forgot they have him. Sauce Castillo, baby. Oh, Nick rocks! <laughs> Nick rocks! <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> I forgot about that video. Wow, <laughs> anybody if anybody listening probably doesn't understand that reference, but the Kings let cameras into their war room. The draft that they took Nick Stauskas, and the owner deci- Vivek decided that they when they called. Stauskas, the entire draft room would chant Nick Rocks. Yep. And wasn't it for the, wasn't it for Grantland or something? It was for Grantland. Yeah. That's
1: that might be Bill Simmons' greatest coup ever: is convincing Peck to put cameras in their draft room. I mean, God, what a man! <sighs> if you, if you're, I was gonna say if your team is as dysfunctional as the Kings, you got to know better than do that. But because they're as dysfunctional as the Kings.
0: They didn't. They, they certainly did not. Is this his third or fourth team? Is this is his fourth uh, team.
1: Fourth? Right? Yeah. Philly and then. Brooklyn. Brooke, yeah, Brooklyn. Cup yeah.
0: of coffee with Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, he scored five points per game, 13 minutes per game. Uh. Yeah, yeah it was fine. He didn't play that much. All right. Portland rocks. let's uh nick rocks <laughs> let's uh let's turn the page on this who uh who's next Tommy I'll let you I'll let you lead the ship here for a bit
1: um uh-huh. well we kind of have these teams in a jumble i mean who's who's most interested who's most interesting to you out of those three Utah Utah? Yeah. Yeah. Why well, why Utah?
0: Well, because even though they kept almost everybody, it's still fascinating what it's going to look like in year two. What's Donovan Mitchell's progression look like? Uh, you know, now that Jay Crowder's got a whole season with these guys, does he look even better in a Utah uniform? Um, Dante Exum got re-signed. What's that going to look like? Uh, is he taking Alec Burks' minutes? Are they both going to have minutes and Exum's going to start playing like a lot more shooting guard or something? Yeah. Uh, You know, at the the front court, is fine. Uh, But beyond all that stuff, they drafted Grayson Allen. What's that going to look like? Is he going to be able to be a contributor immediately? Um, I could see spots where they could use him. I mean, I could also see him just kind of sit on the bench and they'd still be fine. So all those different things uh, I'm fascinated in and I think are going to be impactful not just for Utah, uh, but in the West, because they're a team that could challenge and be a tough out in the playoffs, they could be a team on the fringe of the playoff picture. Uh, it all depends how a lot of these things fall into play.
1: I think they're the second best team in the West. Boom. I really, yeah, I really do. Um, I, yeah, I, I think they're going to be really good. Um, I think it kind of it starts with their depth. They might be the deepest team in the league. I, mean, when you look, you know, Alec Burks is probably going to be out of the rotation and yet he can come, he can step on the court anytime and get them buckets when they need it. Um, I think Grayson Allen could be really exciting, but he may not see the court either just because they have so much uh, talent ahead of them. Um, but I, there's their, you know, their rotation is just so good and they can really match any, you know, any look an opponent throws at them. Um, you know, just with, like, the amount of wings they have and the amount of skill they have um, at the guard and the wing positions and just, you know, how nasty they are defensively. And I, I think, for me, like, the reason I'm so high on them is there's no reason to expect that, uh, that they're going to regress at all from where they were last season um, because they have a lot of youth. And I think a lot of these people, these guys are going to get better at uh, – you know some of this areas they slacked last year. Donovan Mitchell really didn't shoot it that. Way. He's 34% from three. Um, he shot it pretty poorly off the dribble. I think he's really going to improve there. I mean, uh, that's that he improved greatly as just as a shooter from uh, college to pros in one year. So to me, I don't I I don't see any reason why he won't keep getting better. Um, Gobert is going to be uh, hopefully be healthy for the full season. Uh, you know, Cephalosia. Uh, well, again, will hopefully be healthy. Um, and you've got Dante Exum, who has been a productive defender every time he's been on the court. Um, they they brought back Favors, and Favors and Go played pretty well together, and they've played pretty well apart too. When, when uh, they split them all up and play them each as a center, like they just uh, yeah. they've got Royce O'Neal on the wing to defend people. I mean, they just uh, they have wings on wings on wings, and that's that's really what you need and I, we haven't even talked about Ricky Rubio but he's there too he's he's awesome i mean this team just has so much talent
0: rick rubio i uh it, i'm glad that this worked out but it surprised me that it worked out that Favors and Gobert can coexist like you said they pretty much can just keep a center on the court at all times and at the right moments they can share the court a little bit and just be be twin towers ish but uh it, you know, you're right. I mean, they're very deep. They have a lot of different options, but at the same time, they just have this very potent offensive talent in Donovan Mitchell, who, like you said, just has exponential growth in front of him if he continues to progress the way he did last year. Um, how do you think, moving forward after we saw him, especially in the playoffs, so you know, ball-dominant and everything running through him successfully, Uh, How does that work now with, with Rubio and kind of with trying to move forward uh, under the watch of Quinn Snyder?
1: I think it it backslides a little bit to where it was in the regular season where, uh, you know, they run their offense. Uh, You know, that's the beautiful thing about Utah is they run such an egalitarian offense to where, uh, you know, a lot of guys can, can score points and it maximizes their talents. Uh, They had, Seven guys, if you count Rodney Hood, who they traded midseason, they had seven guys average double-digit points last year. Um, you know, including you know Jay Crowder, who's not exactly an you know an offensive weapon. Um, so, and Mitchell worked really well within that system, but then he also had the talent and the ability to you know kind of take things outside of that when the system broke down and get buckets on his own. Um, so I think you'll see that, you know, when needed in the regular season. And then in the playoffs, they'll probably shift to that a lot more heavily.
0: Um...
1: I mean, it's a, it, like I, I made it sound really easy. That's It's not easy. It's not that simple. But I think they have like the basketball IQ and the coaching, uh, you know, just the, the coaching smarts of Quinn Snyder to pull that off.
0: No, well, I mean, the Same time, they did it last year, like they beat OKC doing that, yeah. Like, just kind of flipping the switch between, like, let's play the same brand we played all year, all right, Donovan, take over, out duel Russ, like, and that got them past Oklahoma yeah. City in convincing fashion. So, it's not that crazy to say they could do it again, and it's not that crazy to say that now they've all got a lot more time together. And hopefully, if, if they remain healthy, I mean, you get a full season out of Rudy Gobert, they're at least breaking fifty wins, and yeah, maybe even fighting for that number two seed in the West if if the Houston regression that we're all staring in the face comes to to pass. Um,
1: yeah, I mean they they were uh, second in defense last year with Gobert playing fifty six games. Uh, it's nuts. I mean, if you, yeah, it's it, it's crazy the amount of talent they have out there. Uh, I mean they they don't lose a beat when they're starting favors at center, um, and offensively they were sixteenth. Um, I, I could see them climbing up into like the high teens or even, you know, uh, ninth or 10th, um, just depending on, you know, if their threes fall and if, if, you know, Mitchell can improve as an off the dribble shooter.
0: So, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear who it should be, but, uh, as we've done with every team so far, who would you throw out there with the game on the line? who's our who's our crunch time 5
1: I would go uh Rubio, Mitchell, Ingles, uh Crowder and Gobert. Yeah.
0: That's uh that's the move. I mean uh how about Joe Ingles, man? He he really had a great season last year. <laughs> I can't wait to watch him again. Good old Jingle yeah, Joe. He's
1: awesome. He Jingle <laughs> Joe. He
0: just figured it out, man. And whatever it is, if it's the water in Utah, if it's the Mormons, I don't know. I don't care. I'm just glad he found it. Uh, he's, oh, yeah. he's he's a fun NBA player. He's he's a weapon. Like you gotta look out for Jingle yeah. Joe. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. I mean, like 12, four and five, basically. And what's crazy to me is, I mean, he shot 44% from deep last year on like six threes a game. But well, he just has that weird janky motion where yeah. he kind of catapults it. Looks awful. And yeah, it's horrible. It shouldn't work. And it's just, it's crazy like how good he, how quick he gets it off, how good he is shooting it off the dribble, how he can hit it from like, you know, out of any play type with a hand in his face. It, it just shouldn't work like that, but it, it does. And it's awesome.
0: Yeah, I, little things like that. I, I can't wait to watch Utah on, like, random Thursdays when I'm getting home from work at, like, 1 in the morning. And I'm like, oh, the Jazz are just starting their second quarter. Yes! <laughs> just to watch Jiggling Joe destroy Sacramento or whoever the hell it is. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, they've just got a lot of fun playmakers between Ingles, Rubio, Mitchell. Um, like, those guys, like, all... And for completely different reasons, are just a joy to watch.
0: And it seems to be working well for Rubio, too. You'd wonder if maybe there were some concerns about, well, he's really the, the secondary option, but uh, I have no concerns about that. He'd seem to be completely fine with him last year, and he the guy's good at just figuring out what he needs to do. He doesn't, even though he's very good with the ball in his hands, it uh, doesn't always have to be the case. Uh, he shot enough um it's always been the biggest knock on him but i thought he shot enough to still be worthwhile to have out on the court even while donovan mitchell was the primary ball handler
1: yeah 35 percent from three last year
0: that's downright solid
1: yeah surprised me on on three and a half per game so so that's not you know that's not nothing Mm -hmm. um and he's still only 27 too which is the crazy thing i mean he he's been in the leagues for a long long time yeah uh He's going into
0: his, uh... God, where? Ten, uh, probably his 10th year, or, or he came over from Spain the year after he got drafted, so his ninth season. his, <laughs> his, his uh... Same draft as Steph, right?
1: Yeah, this is going to be his eighth year. So oh, okay. he, was, he was the same draft as Steph. It's the same uh, as but he didn't Glenn. come over right away. This is also so... a
0: contract year for him, so you, you wonder if that changes anything. And maybe it doesn't, but uh, it is something to keep an eye on that's really it they have all the guys that they need locked up at least through 2019
1: 2020 yeah, yeah. i i thought i thought uh does favors have a player option for next year or for or for tw- uh 2020 they or it, it's Did some they... kind of like not partial guarantee or something i, th- I thought there's something where it, it wasn't a straight two-year deal With The deal that just wrong.
0: like re-signed over over this past off season could be. I don't. the The place I'm looking doesn't have it, unfortunately. Man, Gordon Hayward makes uh, thirty one million dollars. Um, um, I don't know. Either way, um, yeah, that, yeah, it
1: is a non guaranteed second
0: year. Okay, uh, it does, It's yeah, team option. They
1: have until July 6, 2019 to guarantee the wow. second year for sixteen point nine million, which he, he gave him a they probably will. We'll see. <laughs>
0: He's the second highest paid player on the team right now. Wow. Yeah, Gobert He's number one. Gobert makes twenty three. Yeah. Um, interesting wow. construct. That's it's the anti Portland.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it it is in a lot of ways. Um, and it's it's funny because when you look at Portland, at least in terms of you know the like defensively, they do a lot of things the right way. Um, they just don't have any. Anywhere close to the talent to pulled
0: off. But yeah. Both well coached teams though, so who knows? Who knows? <laughs> All right, Utah. You're gonna be good. Uh I hope Tabo Zephalosha comes back and has a nice year too. And Me too. I hope we see a little bit of George's Nyang as well. Although he's so far back on the in the rotation. But uh yeah. he was fun at Iowa State. He was really good. He was really good. He's also from Lawrence, Massachusetts weird it's like a suburb of it's like a a, a, the rough part of town suburb of boston um i don't even know if you can call it a suburb you probably can't all right we got two more teams it's time tommy let's let's talk about denver let's talk about plants all right let's do it (laughs) the denver nuggets are coming off a season in which they just ever so narrowly missed the playoffs they went 46 and 36 are that right yes i do 46 and 36 um Over the offseason, they made some changes. Uh, But they also kept some key cogs. They've still got Jamal Murray. They've still got Gary Harris. They've still got Will Barton. They've still got Jokic. They've still got Paul Millsap. They still have your buddy Mason Plumlee, Trey Lyles. Uh, But they also have Isaiah Thomas, and they also drafted Michael Porter. They also said goodbye to Wilson Chandler, Kenneth Freed, Darrell Arthur. So, uh As David Bowie would say, time may change me, but you can't face time. I don't I I butchered it. (laughs) I butchered it. Uh, Uh, It's a different squad. It's a different squad.
1: It is. Uh, I think it's going to be really good, man. Um, You know, they came – they were an overtime away from making the playoffs last year, despite their second best player missing more than half the season. Um, I, and even after he came back, he was still playing hurt and he just didn't have chemistry. Uh, I think they're going to have a lot better chemistry with Millsap in the starting five this year. Um, and I think, I think he's really going to help them defensively. They were 25th in defense last year. Um, and I think they might, uh, you know, they'll probably stay in the 20s, but I think Millsap is just going to be the guy who devotes himself to cleaning everything up
0: yeah.
1: uh, defensively and then just kind of picks his spots on offense because they don't need him. He was a really good shot creator in Atlanta, but Denver does not need him to do that at this stage when they have literally four other guys in the starting lineup who can uh, create and finish uh, with pretty good efficiency. So... I think if they can achieve some equilibrium there, that offense is just going to be nuts. I mean, especially with, with Barden as a starter. I mean, that it, it seems like they're just going all in on just trying to win games, you know, 120 to 100, which I'm all for, man. I think it's going to be a ton of fun.
0: No, it, it, it certainly sounds like a good time. It kind of plays into the whole, you know, altitude aesthetic, playing fast and loose. And there's just so many weapons here. There's just so many different ways that they're dangerous, uh, including throwing Will Barton into the mix and including looking at that bench now with Isaiah Thomas, who is the owner of one of the most efficient scoring seasons ever. Uh, Now, how does he come back? How healthy is he? How does he play with these guys? These are all big questions. Uh, Where do you sit with that right now? What What do you... Want or expect from Isaiah Thomas? What, what does Denver need from Isaiah Thomas?
1: Um, well, I don't. I'm trying not to expect anything from Isaiah Thomas. Um, just because I don't know, you know, I have no idea what he's gonna look like. Uh, but Denver really needs him to be their uh, their backup point guard because they don't have anybody else. Uh, they, you know, with Barton starting now, they have no one else off the bench. Who can handle the ball? Unless it's going to be uh, Malik Beasley, but we, you know, just don't know if he can do that yet. maybe, yeah. maybe he can. Maybe it's going to be Monty Morris, um, who they signed. Uh, he was on a two-way last year, and they signed him to the roster this year. So uh, he'll. Yeah, I'm certain he will play. Um, you know, either because Thomas is hurt or ineffective, or just you know because you need to play three point guards over the course of the season. So that's going to be. excuse me, that's going to be tricky for them to figure out, uh, that bench rotation. The the one guy who I wonder will who I wonder if we'll see some minutes is, um, Jared Vanderbilt, their second round pick. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He was, I mean, he was built as a first round talent who split because of injury concerns, but apparently he's all good. And if he is good, he has exactly what Denver needs in that he just defends and rebounds like crazy. And, uh, Supposedly a good ball handler and passer, but um, that's that's all just kind of gravy at this point. And the, the things he does he does well um, are two things that Denver really lacks.
0: So you've got four guys in the front court that, in theory, are are somewhat interchangeable: Jokic, Millsap, Plumlee, and Lyles. Uh, what combinations do you think? need to be used more frequently? What combinations do you think should never see the light of day? Uh,
1: I, I, well, I think Jokic and Plumley obviously should be excised. Um,
0: <laughs> it just doesn't
1: make sense, you know, regardless of how you feel about like uh, about Plumley it just doesn't make sense to play two centers at once. Yeah. Uh, regardless of, <clears throat> you know, with those two guys, it just doesn't make sense defensively. Um, I would be intrigued to see Paul Millsap at center a little bit uh, with some bench units, um, you know, with Trey Lyles at the four. But then I think, you know, also the the Lyles uh, Plumlee connection off the bench is also a pretty good uh, backup front court because you've got your floor spacer and you've got your rim runner. Um, So yeah, it's not a, it's really not a bad front court um, when you, when you look at it. Uh, I think, with Plum or with Millsap, hopefully being healthy this season, what you know one of their biggest weaknesses last year, which was uh, Jokic and Plumlee playing together, hopefully will be minimized. So
0: I mean, I think you look at Jokic and Millsap, and then certain lineups throwing Trey Lyles in, into the mix as a change of pace. That's one of the that that's a pretty dangerous front court that, that a lot of teams would not really have a good answer to. Um, and then I mean. Gosh, Denver's loaded. You look at the backcourt with Murray and Harris, both guys who are coming off good seasons and continue to progress. Which one of the, those guys do you think is is set up to have I don't know, I don't know. I don't want to just say the better season, but be more integral to the success of the Nuggets? Is it Murray because he does a lot of scoring or is it Harris because he's such a two-way threat? That's
1: that, that's a good question. With with Harris, I think I think it depends uh He's kind of over a little bit overrated as a defender. He's mm-hmm. good but not great at this point. If he can take a leap defensively, uh, that would be awesome. And that's that's probably where I see it coming from him, for him. If he does continue to improve, I think offensively he's probably maxed out his development, which is fine. I mean, he's an awesome offensive player. He scored seventeen and a half points per game and shot forty percent from three last year. Um, and that's, you know, as a third offensive option, that's awesome. Um, uh, I think Murray though, is really going to start showing out. I mean, he really, last year, he really started taking some tough threes and making them at a high clip and those after not shooting three well at all as a rookie, but, uh, now he's looking more comfortable shooting tested threes, shooting deep threes off the dribble threes. Um, and I think he's only going to improve as as a finisher and as an off the dribble shooter. Uh, I think Murray is poised to make you know I think several more leaps as an offensive player uh, in the next few years. I th- think he has a really high ceiling.
0: The ability to to put him in different roles to you know he can, he has such that you uniquely. Uh, it seems almost innate ability to make these crazy shots. Uh, They can run him off all kinds of screens and get him open just a sliver and he'll be able to make crazy threes. And like you said, he's able to do it off the dribble as well and having so many different options. uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, put together the kind of offensive campaign that creates all-star buzz, although in the West it's, such, yeah. it's, it's so stacked that, I mean, just ask Damian Lillard how hard it is to make an all-star team in the West.
1: Speaking of Damian Lillard, like this might be sacrilegious, but like Murray kind of reminds me of him a little bit.
0: Okay, this, that's fine. I thought you were going to say, is Murray going to be better than Lillard this year? And I was like, no, stop, stop, no. No, 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 no,
1: no, no. Not even, not even close. Um, I mean, Lillard's maybe the second best point guard in the league. Um anyway yeah uh, but Murray just like the way he plays and the shots he takes and the at the rate at which he hits those reminds me of Lillard and I, I'm just I'm just excited uh, by the prospect of seeing him the, develop for another year
0: and Michael Porter sounds like you're okay with just saying he's probably not playing this year
1: yep that's fine I don't think they particular they particularly need him either I mean this team is uh, pretty stacked. Um, especially when it comes to shot making and shot uh, creation, which is Porter's biggest skill. Um, so, w- you know, we'll see. Uh, he wants to play this year, which if he does, great. But if he doesn't, I'm not particularly troubled.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, wh- I mean, one more thing is just, uh, as we do with every team, looking at the end of their game, you mentioned Will Barton stepping into a starting role. Does that mean you think he'll be in there at the end too? You trust him as a wing to close things down?
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the tricky thing. That's, you know, why I think Denver will probably pop out as a first round exit, um, just because they're not going to be able to defend, uh, if they're playing a team with a suit with, you know, a great wing, which just about every Western conference team has at this point. Yeah. Um, You know, if they're matched up against OKC and Paul George or the Lakers and LeBron, um, it's going to be really hard for them to defend with, you know, Will Barton playing the three. That being said, I think at least in the regular season, uh, you have no problem closing lineups, uh, closing games with that lineup just because uh, you'll be able to outscore almost everybody.
0: Wouldn't it be funny if they played the Lakers in the playoffs and LeBron's on Isaiah's old team, but then, but then Isaiah's old, old team is LeBron's team. And then, you know, like, isn't that just weird to think about? Like, everybody's just on everybody else's old team. Yeah. Yeah. And It's oh, all man. Lebron's fault. the
1: Lakers the blue, I, I bet Isaiah would get up for that series. Yeah, he would. Want it, he would just want to bury Lebron. He'd be so fired <laughs> up, dude. I well,
0: that you know maybe that would be like a four or five matchup if both those teams have really good seasons. But I can't oh, really man. see that, either of them getting that's higher in the four to seed. Think about
1: in the first round of the playoffs,
0: right, dude? Lebron in the West is going to be. There's going to be so many more games that you want to watch because it's Lebron against whoever like oh yeah, yeah lebron's playing okc tonight i got to watch that, it like
1: yeah and that's why things are so hard for all these teams that could be at the bottom of you know fighting for a playoff spot in that like 10 to 10 to 7 range in the west because the lakers elevated themselves into that mix now and even though dallas didn't they got a hell of a lot better by signing deandre jordan and drafting luka doncic phoenix got a hell of a lot better with you know trevor reza and deandre aiden you look at in sacramento is like literally the only pushover in the west now it's yeah. it's crazy it's I mean, there, it's gonna be it, it just literally every game is gonna be important because if you want to make the playoffs you just can't take it off night
0: i wonder if it's ever gonna end like i wonder if the west is ever not just gonna be so much better than the east like for the next five years it's not gonna happen But, like, 10 years down the road, is the East going to be better? Are they going to be even? Or is this just going to keep happening? Because this is just... You know, it was a joke two years ago, and then it got worse. And then freaking LeBron joined the Lakers.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much been this way for most of our lifetimes. Most of LeBron's career. Going back to the the turn of the millennium. um, Ever since MJ retired, really.
0: I mean, the biggest threats that MJ had in the East were... Indiana at the end of the 90s, and the Knicks at the beginning of the 90s. And there's the one year the Magic beat them, but that's when he came back halfway through the year. So it was usually teams in the West. It was usually Barclays, Suns, or I mean, not usually. It happened once, but and then the Stockton, Malone, Jazz a few times. Some other teams that they vanquished. I can't even remember.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't know, but... And then you you just had the Lakers and the Spurs and yeah uh, you know to a lesser extent the Mavs, uh, the Suns, the you know the Nuggets for a long stretch of time the Jazz you know just kind of really elevating themselves above you know kind of the their Eastern Conference equivalents in terms of you know finishing position
0: is crazy. Yeah, man. Well, at least we'll, we'll have a. A lot of a lot of interesting late night games over here on the East Coast, at least. But uh, for now, let's uh, let's wrap up this division with our final team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are you know, <laughs> who, who who brought back uh, none other than Paul George, who's just pumped to live in Oklahoma. I guess he, I don't know. He loves fishing. I guess he loves to fish. Um, PG comes back. Right up there at the top, you got PG and Russ. You also got uh, uh, Cal Drogo, Steven Adams. Andre Robertson comes (laughs) back. I'm not sure exactly when, but eventually. Um, After that, things start getting a little fishy. But you do have Dennis Schroeder now as your sixth man, so that's going to be exciting to watch. But then we're kind of in Jeremy Grant territory. Still good. Kyle Singler territory, not quite as good. New Orleans Noel, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Pat Pat, maybe not an NBA player anymore. Uh Oh, man. I mean, he I had know, a bad I hope, year last I hope year, he dude. Is. Me too, but he just wasn't good. And I really wanted yeah. him to be good. We mm-hmm. talked about that a lot. And Alex Abrines and Ray Felton, and that's everybody I felt like it was worth writing down. So, uh tell me about the Thunder, Tommy.
1: I I think it, I think they could be pretty good, man, at least in the regular season. I mean, I think they're probably I think they're a top three defense, probably. Mm-hmm. I just when you consider uh, getting Robertson back and excising Carmelo Anthony from the lineup, uh, they're they were defending at a crazy level before Robertson got hurt. Um, and yeah, now really, Westbrook is going to be the only defensive liability in their top, uh, you know, six or seven guys. Yep, and they can they're going to be. Other than that, they're going to be the thunder of old, and they're going to bring off a lot of length and athleticism and very little shooting. And I think their defense will be enough to carry them to a uh, you know top three spot in the West uh, in the regular season. Um, in the playoffs, though, I think it'll kind of look like it did last year when their lack of spacing will just cause them to completely break down. And, you know, they may exit in the first round again. But that, that being said, I, at least in the regular season, I, I am, like, really high on this team team um because i mean they they're they're going with a formula that works which is you know russell westbrook and you know kind of one sidekick and a bunch of deep uh you know nasty defenders and that'll win you a pretty good amount of games
0: honestly it's kind of that simple in a lot of ways westbrook is still just this supreme athlete this elite talent uh he's a ball of fire He's kind of dispelled some of the injury issues that plagued him before when KD was still a part of the team. And now he's just pretty consistent in terms of what you know, you're going to get from him on a season to season basis, at least the last couple yeah. of seasons. And it is yeah. single-handedly carrying your team's offense. Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, he they were, uh, the, I think 10th in offense last year, which again, when you look at their personnel, uh, no, seventh. my God, um, I mean, when, you, when you look at their personnel, they should not have been that good. And pretty much all the credit for that goes to, uh, well, I don't want to say all the credit because Paul George had a really good season last year. Um, but uh, the engine of that was Russell Westbrook. And, you know, they, they got all that back together. And, I, again, I think even even though Melo was, like, theoretically more of a, a floor spacer than whoever their uh, new starting four is going to be – I think their offense will flow better without him. Uh, you know, just breaking threes or breaking down. Uh, well, I don't want to say breaking down possessions, but taking ISOs away from Westbrook.
0: Looking at the squad right now, I, it seems to me you fill the mellow void in the starting lineup with Jeremy Grant. Um, does anybody else in there intrigue you as a possible candidate to start alongside Steven Adams in the front court?
1: Not really. I think it's got to be uh Grant maybe I mean maybe maybe if if Pat Pat can return to form Yeah maybe the him, guy who I just said should retire. Yeah, so I think it's I think it's gotta be Grant.
0: Prove me wrong, Pat Pat. Make me eat my words. Uh I think it's Grant to start at least. Um but there are some intriguing newcomers I, I think are worth considering how they'll impact the team. Yeah.
1: And and it might not even be you know maybe paul george will finally kind of uh you know uh, be okay with playing at the four and they'll put uh terrence ferguson in there uh into the starting lineup or I mean, maybe in certain spots uh um, who's you know one of those newcomers that you were mentioning mm-hmm.
0: yeah i mean paul george is 6'9" 220 so he's a big dude um Lineup specific, I could see some situations where he could step up. Um, but also, having just thrown a bunch of money at him, I could also see them wanting to not make him bang bodies too much, consider him a long-term investment. And they've yeah. got some options there. Uh, Shooter, you kind of know, y- you don't know exactly what you're getting, but you know what they would be using him for. A guy coming off the bench, kind of running the second unit, hopefully keeping the offense at... at some mini version of, of the the Westbrook offense. Uh, I'm curious about Nerland's Noel, though. The, they're the team who decides to take the Noel flyer. It's not a huge risk. I don't even think they're paying him $2 million, but uh, he's a guy who had some real issues in Dallas, but uh, was considered to be worth a seven-figure contract in Philadelphia. So uh, what do you think about the fit? What do, what do you think this does for his career or he can do for the Thunder as Steven Adams understudy?
1: It's, it's interesting because I his opportunity may be a little limited here. There are two – in Pat Pat and uh, Grant, you have two other guys who will probably be getting uh, some good minutes at backup center. Um, so, you know, he might not have as big a role on this team as he would have uh, on another if there are other offers out there. Uh, but, I mean, it's a good organization, and if he's going to rehab his value uh, – especially as a defensive player, you know, this is the place to do it. Um, You know, he has every tool in the book to be a a playmaker on defense. And, you know, again, this is Oklahoma City has unlocked that in a lot of players before. So I I, I think it's worth taking a chance. I think he's kind of taking a chance on them too. I'm thinking like a stint with this team might be good for me after what I've been through the past couple of years. Uh, And they're taking a chance on his talent. So I, I think it'll work out for both parties.
0: I have a good feeling about this. I think he's going to be a difference maker for them. Um, he might not crack the rotation right off the bat, but uh, I expect he'll be getting some some opportunities. And I still like what he can bring to the table. Although, by now, because he had more or less a loss season in Dallas, you really got to uh, think back to what he even looks like on the court. I mean, it's been a minute. Um,
1: yeah. There was a you know a game late last season uh, where Denver played Dallas and and uh, blew it and is one of the many losses that ended up costing them a playoff game. But uh, when Noel got some garbage time minutes in that game, and I didn't even know it was him. I saw this really tall, lanky dude on the court, and I was like, "Who the hell is that guy?" And <laughs> After after a couple minutes, I realized it was nearly Noel, and it was I was I was uh, shocked. I'd forgotten what he looked like.
0: Exactly, man. That really, uh, it's wild to think back to when he was in Kentucky and how hyped he was as like the potential number one overall pick and stuff. And they didn't even make the tournament that year, but
1: uh, no, they lost. Well, he he got hurt that year.
0: Yeah, he tore, his AC tore his ACL. But ACL. then
1: they lost in the first round of the NIT. Yeah, which that was yeah, funny, pretty embarrassing. But yeah, man, I I, I think he's I, I, I'm I'm pretty high on Nerlens. I've I've always been a fan of his game, uh, especially on defense. And I I hope it works out.
0: Me too. Uh, anybody else of interest though? I mean, Kyle Singler's another. You, you know what you're getting. Uh, Raymond Felton is like the new Andre Miller, I guess. I don't know.
1: Uh. <laughs> At least in terms of body type.
0: Yeah, it's literally just body type. He doesn't really play like Andre Miller. Nobody, yeah. nobody plays like yeah. Andre Miller.
1: Andre Miller was just uh, on another level. I don't. I, yeah, don't. We can't slander his name by comparing him to Ray Felton.
0: I'm sorry. If I if <laughs> I had the expertise to edit it out of the podcast, I would, but I don't, so I won't. <laughs> so it's staying. <laughs> just like all the other stupid shit I said today. Uh, uh, and we'll see what they do with TLC. Whose name I don't feel like Scott, butchering.
1: Scott. Yeah, he's, you know, I I have like the the syn the syndrome with him where uh, he was good for me in two K, so I like him <laughs> in real life probably more than I should. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he is really athletic, and if he can learn to shoot and put it together, um, which you know we say about every wing the Thunder acquire, uh, but. Yeah, I, I think he has he has some real uh, you know I think he has something to work with off the dribble and with his athleticism if he can ever learn to shoot it could be a he could be an interesting player, but again this team is so good and so set that he may not crack the rotation.
0: Yeah, well Westbrook's not going to pass him the ball anyway. All right, that's it. <laughs> we we talked about the Northwestern Division, last thing and then we're gonna sign off. Uh, what do you think about the Broncos?
1: Uh, to be honest, I haven't followed any football at all.
0: Yo, it's I took, I, I took Royce season. Freeman in my draft last night, and, and it seems that might be a dumb move. What can you tell me about this mm-hmm. Royce Freeman guy? I remember What'd him from Oregon. Who was it? Royce Freeman. You remember the, oh, the Oregon he, running He's on the Broncos. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, he balled out at Oregon and. Right. We had to, yeah, we had to watch him eviscerate our, our CU Buffs a few times.
0: Several times, uh,
1: yeah. So I mean, just I mean, that's a pretty poor way to evaluate someone because uh, you and I probably could have scored a touchdown against a few of those teams. But um, yeah, that's that seems like a good pick. I don't know, man. I've kind of lost interest in football. Uh, yeah, it's weird. I might I'll watch the CU CSU game on Friday. That might Me be too. the only football game I watch this year.
0: I, uh, you know, I, if it was gone tomorrow, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't miss it. But having it around, knowing it's around the corner, week one's going to come around. And that Sunday, I'm just going to, like, put on a game. And we're just going to be off to the races. And once it happens, it's just going to keep happening. So, I I got a D-plus in my fantasy football draft grade, according to Yahoo. <laughs> I'm projected to go 1 in 12. I don't know what I did. I don't know what I did to offend Yahoo, but they're pissed, man. Oh, man. Uh, I know. All right. All right. We're done. We're done. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Association NBA podcast, whether it was on anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else. Please subscribe. Please rate us five stars only. Thank you to the Wooly Mammoths for giving us some music. Uh, thanks to the Northwest Division for being the most stacked division in the in the National Basketball Association. And any thanks on your end, Tommy?
1: Um, uh, no. Well, thanks to my girlfriend for making some awesome carbonara tonight.
0: Heyo. Chicken carbonara. A good time. All right. We're out of here. We're out of here. Until next week, folks. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you then. Goodbye.